Good morning, Mays. Happy Easter. We are the Denny's. I'm Will. I'm Jenny. I'm Kate. I'm Claire. Thanks for being a generous church. We are working to help a lot of people during this time and your gifts make that possible. You can give online at our website or by mailing a check to the church office. I have a special message for my Wednesday night kids. I am so proud of all that you've learned this year. Keep learning the books of the Bible, and when we see each other again, you can show me what you've learned. We miss you, Emmaus. We look forward to seeing you soon. Bye. Bye. Good morning, Emmaus from the Rosses. I'm Dave. Brylon, Kara. Gabe, and this is Manly. If you would like to learn more information about Emmaus, our pastor is setting up some informational meetings in the next few weeks. Use the link in the comments or send us a message to let us know you're interested. And one of our church leaders will be contacting you soon. Emmaus, we love you. We miss you so much. And we look forward to being back with you soon. Bye! Happy Easter from the Neese family. I'm Owen. I'm Amanda. I'm Austin. I'm Bennett. I'm Emery. Today we want to show you a little bit of how we celebrate Easter. That's right. So kids, if you will yell out at your TV screen or your computer screen or your parents' phone, yell out and tell us your favorite snack to eat because we're going to show you. Okay, here we go. One, two, three. Yell your favorite snack. Good job. We're going to show you a snack called Resurrection Rolls that teaches about the resurrection. All right, here we go. All right, to make resurrection rolls, you need crescent rolls, which we realize are hard to find right now. So if you find crescent rolls, that's what you would use. Crescent rolls, you need marshmallows. The marshmallow represents the body of Jesus, that white, that he is pure and without sin. So we have the marshmallows. You're going to want butter. Uh, there's our regular butter. There's our dairy-free butter, if that's a big deal for your family. And then you're also going to need cinnamon sugar. So we'll take the marshmallow, roll it in the, in the melted butter, roll it in the cinnamon sugar, and then wrap it up in the crescent roll, just like Jesus was wrapped and prepared for burial after his death. And then we'll show you what that looks like in just a second. All right, so we take the marshmallow, dip the marshmallow in the butter, Dip the buttery marshmallow in the cinnamon sugar. And then we place the marshmallow in the crescent roll and wrap the crescent roll around the marshmallow. Now kids, it might look like we're gonna think about eating the body of Jesus, but that is not what we're talking about here. What do you guys think is gonna happen to that marshmallow when it goes into the oven here in a second? Right, we're so going to find them wrapped up. We put some more cinnamon sugar on top. And while you're waiting, it's also good to catch marshmallows in your mouth. Or just eat marshmallows. Or just lay there and look at the marshmallows. But we're going to take the resurrection rolls and put them in our 350 degree preheated oven. And after we do that, as a family, we read through the resurrection story. So those are going in, and then we're gonna read the resurrection story from the Jesus Storybook Bible. God's wonderful surprise. Jesus's friends were sad. They would never see their best friend again. How could this happen? Wasn't Jesus the rescuer? The King God had promised. It wasn't supposed to end like this. Yes, but whoever said anything about the end? Just before sunrise on the third day, God sent an earthquake and an angel from heaven. When the guards saw the angel, they fell down with fright. 
The angel rolled the huge stone away, sat on top of it, and waited. At first glimmer of dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other women headed to the tomb to wash Jesus' body. The early morning sun slanted through the ancient olive trees, drops of dew glittering on leaves and grasses, little tears everywhere. The friends walked quietly along the hilly path through the olive groves until they reached the tomb and immediately noticed something odd. It was wide open. They peered through the opening into the dark tomb, but wait, Jesus's body was gone. All right, a resurrection roll came out and no marshmallow. Jesus is not in the grave anymore. He is risen. Happy, Happy, Happy Easter, Easter from the Meese family. All right. Good morning, Emmaus. Well, I'm not sure we have a history, or I'm not sure we have a future <laughs> as a family making uh, cooking shows, but I think we did a pretty good job there, and I noticed some people were making faces behind me, which is okay. That's normal. I can live with that. Hey, if you have your Bible, open to Matthew chapter 28. So if you're at home right now and you have access to a Bible, open that thing up. We're going to be at the very end of Matthew chapter 28. If you don't have a Bible in front of you right now, that's okay. We're going to have the verses up here next to me on the screen, and we want to be able to present them to you in that way. So kids, if you want to open your Bible, I would encourage you to do that, but know that we're going to have these verses up here. This morning, we come to the end of a journey through the Gospel of Matthew. So we have been in this for just over 70 weeks of studying the Gospel of Matthew, and we wrap it up. Easter 2020, not the way we imagined wrapping it up, but we've come to this point and I'm excited to be able to share this Easter message with you, the hope that we have through Jesus and the way that that's seen at the end of Matthew chapter 28. Just a couple of thoughts about ways to get connected and where are we going after this. The first thing I will let you know is, as the Ross family said earlier, I'm hoping to host a few question and answer sessions. If you have questions about faith, if you're looking for a church to get connected at, if you just want to talk with some of our church leaders in different ministry areas, fill out that form or send us a message. We'd love to connect with you in, in that way. Also, next Sunday morning, as we continue in this way, we're going to start a new sermon series dealing with the question, when we say the word God, what are we talking about? Who is God? And, and more importantly, why does that matter? What does that look like in our lives? And what does the Bible have to say about that? So we're going to get that uh, connected and get that started next Sunday. Also, so many of you have shared your story on social media with that hashtag, Jesus Changed My Story. If you're running through those pictures, running through those stories this afternoon, I hope you'll look at those. They're incredibly encouraging. Let's get into God's Word this morning. I want to read for you Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 through 20. So here we go, Matthew 28, verses 16 through 20. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Let's pray together this morning. 
Father, thank you for the gift of Easter Sunday morning. God, thank you for the gift of this music, these stories and videos we've seen from families, the opportunity to slow down, to pray with one another, for one another, the opportunity to study scripture. God, I pray that for the next few minutes that from the youngest child to the oldest adult watching at home, God, that our hearts would slow down, that our minds would focus on you, and that you would teach us in a fresh way the message of Easter. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. So if you're like my family, there is a good chance that in the last few weeks you've watched a lot of movies. Um, And if you don't already have enough arguments at your home and you want to start another debate or another argument, just start an argument or a debate about whether the sequel to a movie is better than the original. So was Frozen 2 better than Frozen 1? Uh, Was Incredibles 2 better than Incredibles 1? Was How to Train Your Dragon 3 better than 2 and 1? You could even jump in the comments right now on Emmaus. Don't get in too many fights, but if if you want to have some fights about whether the sequel or the original was better, I'm sure whoever's moderating comments this morning can can handle that. Uh, Back in the day, was Terminator 2 better than Terminator 1? Was the 74th Marvel Marvel movie better than the 73rd Marvel movie? Was Star... We're not even going into Star Wars. We don't want to start too many many fights. Uh, Kids, back in the day, back in the day when we were watching a TV show and you couldn't watch the entire series of the show all at one time, you would get to the end of a show and it'd be very exciting, you don't know what's going to happen, and then on the screen you would see the dreaded words, to be continued. That feeling of frustration or excitement when you get to the end of a movie, you get to the end of the story and you feel like That's not the end of the story. Here's what I want to tell you this morning. What I want to tell you this morning is that the message of Easter, the message of Easter can be summarized in six words. Not the end of the story. Not the end of the story. At Christmas this year, we talked about how the message of Christmas can be summarized in three words. God with us. Kids, you might remember that from Christmas this year. The message of Christmas is God with us. The message of Easter is not the end of the story. And this is good news. This is good news to us in our world right now. We need to hear this message. Because what we're facing right now with this virus and this quarantine and all that's going on in the world, this is not the end of the story. And when you're at home with little kids and you're facing long days and short years and what does this season of life look like, it's not the end of the story. Your unemployment is not the end of the story. Your living situation or your family drama or your emotional struggles are not the end of the story. This morning, I hope you hear the simple message of Easter. The message of Jesus, the message of the gospel, the message of Easter is this. What we see, what we experience, what we face right now is not the end of the story. And so if I could, from the end of the gospel of Matthew, I want to show you five very simple ways that the message of Easter comes across as it's not the end of the story. We're going to start in verse 16. So if you look at verse 16, or these verses will be on the screen up here with me. Verse 16 says this. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. 
immediately after the resurrection of Jesus, he appears to these women, and then he sends this group of women to speak to his disciples and say, hey, I need you to go to Galilee and and meet me there. Now, Galilee is important in the Gospel of Matthew because Jesus' ministry began there. Then he goes down to Jerusalem for the time of his death, and then the story is going to return to Galilee as a sign to say this message is going to spread to the whole world. Also, the term mountain is important in Matthew. I have to tell you, going through Facebook and scrolling through Instagram and pictures, I've loved seeing your pictures that you've put out there about trips you've taken to the mountain for hiking trips. I grew up near the Wichita Mountains in southwest Oklahoma. Uh, if you ever make me pick between mountains or the beach, I'm going mountains 100 times out of 100 times. I, I love being in the mountains. I love seeing those pictures that you guys have posted for, from hiking trips and things like that. Mountains are so crucial to understanding the story of the Bible. Throughout the Bible, when God appears to his people, when he speaks to his people, when you have key moments, they happen on mountains. And you've seen this throughout the Gospel of Matthew. And so it's significant now that it's going to end with a reference to a mountain. But don't miss miss who's going to be there at the mountains. It's going to be these 11 disciples. Now Judas, Judas Iscariot, is off the scene now after his betrayal of Jesus resulting in suicide. He's off, he's off the picture now, but you have these 11 disciples who have now come back around. And don't miss what a big deal this is. Don't miss what a big deal this is. The fact that Jesus has restored these disciples. Because remember, these 11 disciples are the ones who have rejected Jesus denied Jesus, moved away from Jesus, and yet at this point in Matthew 28, he can call them brothers. At this point in Matthew 28, he has brought them back around, and here's this message of Easter that I want you to hear. That sin is not the end of the story. That sin is not the end of the story. The story of Easter, the story of Christianity is based on grace, not karma. We don't have an approach to life that says, I do bad things, I build up bad things, and so bad things are going to happen. I do good things, I build up good credit, so good is going to happen. The story of the gospel, the story of Easter, is that we get what we do not deserve, and that is the best news imaginable. That because of what Jesus has done for us, because of his death, dying in our place, taking on our sin because of his resurrection that overcomes the powers of darkness, because of what Jesus has done, not of what we do, not what we accrue, because what Jesus has done, we have hope. And because of that hope, we can say that our past does not define us. Our past does not define us. I hope you will hear in the story of Easter this morning that your past does not define you. Your unfaithfulness is not the end of the story. Your addiction is not the end of the story. Your divorce is not the end of the story. Your broken relationships are not the end of the story. That the message of Easter says what you have done, where you have been, what others have done to you, the the trauma and the pain and the baggage that you carry with you because of other people's sin, sin is not the end of the story. And I hope that is such good news to us this morning. Because none of us, no matter what we do, 
no matter how much money we spend, no matter how many good things we do, no matter how many religious ceremonies we are a part of, none of us can overcome sin. None of us can be good on our own because our biggest need is to be alive, to be made new. And that comes through the story of Easter. That comes because of what Jesus has done. And people hear about grace, they hear about Christianity, and they say, yeah, but if you just forgive someone, if someone's just forgiven and they don't have to earn it, aren't they just going to go out and sin again? That misunderstands the story of Easter. When we understand the cross, and we understand the resurrection, and we understand that sin is not the end of the story, then when we understand that, it compels us, it drives us to live a life that honors the Lord. Now, there's going to be challenges, there's going to be difficulties, there's going to be struggles, but when I understand the story of Easter, and I understand that my past does not have to define me, and I understand that Jesus has overcome sin and death, then what that does, that gives me freedom that gives me a desire to live fully for him because I don't want sin to be the end of the story. I don't want my past to be the end of the story. God redeems our past, but we don't have to live there. God redeems our past so we can live fully for him with hope focused on the future. So that's the first thing I want you to hear about the Easter story this morning is that sin is not the end of your story. Secondly, looks, let's look at verse 17. Verse 17 says this, When they saw him at this time, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Now, now let's admit, when you see the words worshipped and doubted together, those are not normally words that we connect. It feels like an oxymoron, like a, a jumbo shrimp, or the word bittersweet, or the phrase winning Texan, just words that aren't really meant to, to go together. This idea of how does worship and doubt fit together. But don't miss from this passage the way that these words, worship and doubt, how did they fit together? The other place you find them in the Gospel of Matthew is in Matthew chapter 14. That's the story of where Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water in faith toward Jesus. And then he began to doubt. Doubt in these verses is not hostility toward God. It's not having a hard heart or being rebellious. Doubt here is uncertainty. It's wavering. It's trying to think two things or believe two things at the same time, and our eyes get taken off of the Lord. And for Peter, he begins to drown. And what does Jesus do at that moment of doubt? Does he abandon him? No, he doesn't abandon him. He reaches out. He saves him. And in response, the disciples worship. God does not leave us in our sin. And here's the message of Easter. Doubt is not the end of your story. Sin is not the end of your story. God doesn't leave us in the past. He doesn't leave us in our sin. But here's the second thing I need you to see from the Easter story. That doubt is not the end of the story. For many people, maybe, maybe watching this morning, maybe you don't tune in very often to a religious service or it's been a while since you've connected with faith. For a lot of people, Easter and doubts really do go together. How could you believe that a dead man died and rose again, that he was alive and he's still alive today? How can you believe in a God who creates a world in which there's so much suffering and so much difficulty? And, and let's be honest with something. The church has not always done a good job dealing with doubt. 
you may not want very much to do with church or very much to do with faith because there was a time that you doubted, there was a time that you had questions and you reached out to someone and they essentially told you, you don't need to be asking those questions, you just need to have more faith. I think that most people don't leave church because of their doubts. They leave church because of how their doubts were responded to, how their doubts were handled. And so what we need to say together this morning is the Easter story tells us that doubt is not the end of the story. Doubt is not where it needs to stop. Jesus doesn't run from us in our doubts. Jesus draws near to us in our time of doubt. And so let's talk just for a second. We're not gonna spend a ton of time on this, but if you struggle with doubt, if you struggle with questions and uncertainty and how do I make sense of this, let me give you a couple of things that, that might be helpful. The first thing to keep in mind is a lot of times our doubts are emotional more than they're intellectual. So I say I have all these questions about Christianity and those are valid questions, but really my struggle with faith comes because I was hurt by a Christian person or I was burned by the church in the past or I have these emotional struggles and that is really the main thing I'm dealing with even more than the intellectual questions. Those matter, but it's mainly, mainly an emotional thing. And what will sometimes happen in a person's life is they will try to cover up their doubts with this type of very religious legalism. So I struggle with doubts, but I want to look religious on the outside. So I follow all the rules, I do all the right things, because I think that if I just do these things, that will take care of my doubts or maybe make those go away. Or there's a really strange type of legalism that happens where people have religious doubts, they have struggles, but then they turn around and they know exactly what everybody else should eat and what everybody else should wear and what everybody else should drive and how everybody else should live. And so there's this religious doubt, but then the rest of life, very legalistic and very hard-nosed about things. Here's the reminder. The story of Easter, the message of Jesus, says that he does not abandon us in our time of doubt. He draws near to us. And what is able to happen in this point is we're able to push some things to the side and kind of key in on the things that are most important. If you struggle with doubts, I would encourage you to just kind of pare it down to three very simple questions. Is this all that exists? Why, why do we exist? Why, does, why is there anything that exists? That's one question because that helps us to get a starting point. Is the resurrection true? That's the core question of Christianity. Is the resurrection true? And then there's a third question about, is there judgment after life? What comes after death? And that leads us to the next verse, verse 18. Let's look at verse 18. So sin isn't the end of the story. Doubt isn't the end of the story. Look at verse 18. Verse 18, Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Again, what we have happening in a verse here at the end of Matthew 28 is Matthew is bringing together these themes that he's been developing throughout the book. So authority has been a big word in, in the Gospel of Matthew. And here we find that Jesus' authority, when he is speaking of this authority now, he is showing that he has authority over sin and death. He died, he was buried, he was raised, and now he reigns with all authority which tells us something very simple in verse 18. Hear me out. Sin isn't the end of the story. Doubts aren't the end of the story. And death is not the end of the story. The message of Easter says that death is not the end. 
Now, there are a couple of very important verses we need to key in on at this point. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 32 says, If the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. Hear me as clearly as you can. If the Easter story is not true, if Jesus did not rise from the dead, if there is nothing after death, then get all the pleasure, get all the good you can out of this life because this is all that exists. Live for now, avoid suffering, accumulate as much as you can, have the best experience you can, live it up because this is all that exists. But if the resurrection is true, if the Easter story is true, then we have Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27. As it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment, so Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many. Hebrews 9 says that death is not the end of the story. It wasn't the end of the story for Jesus, and it's not the end of the story for me or for you. After death, every one of us stands before God. Not on our own merit, because if we stood on our own merit, we would have no hope. It's because of what Jesus has done for us. But let me ask you the question. Are you ready to do that? Do you understand the fact that we have one life, we die, and then we stand before God? And I know that can sound so hardline religion. It's something that people struggle with. But right now, because of what we're going through in the world, we need to think about the reality of death. Right now, because of what we're going through in the world, we need to face our own mortality. We need to think about the idea that death is not the end of the story. And if that's the case, where is my hope? Where am I looking? If this life is all that there is, then sure, yeah, live it up right now. But if death is not the end of the story, am I ready to stand before the Lord? Again, not on my own, but because of what Jesus has done for me. There's a very simple verse in the Bible that says, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, that he has all authority, that he's overcome sin and death, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Do I believe that Jesus has all authority over heaven and earth, over sin and death, and do I believe in the resurrection? If those are true, we have hope and we have salvation. And don't miss this as well. Death is not the end of the story. That is great news because it means your diagnosis is not the end of the story. Your cancer is not the end of the story. Your dementia is not the end of the story. Your bipolar and depression and anxiety is not the end of the story. Your injury and health problems that just never seem to go away, those are not the end of the story. Because of Easter, we are able to look at people who are suffering. We are able to look at people who have a diagnosis that they never wanted, and we're able to say, this is not the end of the story. We have hope because Jesus has overcome the grave. Jesus has overcome death. And when we confess that and we believe that, we look at what we're facing and say, what I'm dealing with right now is not the end of the story. I hope you'll hear the hope in that, the peace in that, the joy in that, but also there's a challenge there. Is that true for my life? Sin is not the end of the story. 
My doubts are not the end of the story. My death is not the end of the story. If I believe that, how does that impact the way I live? Look at the next verse in Matthew chapter 28. If those things are true, how do I live? Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Because Jesus has all authority, this is a message that's not meant for one location or one group of people. It is a universal message. It is a universal mission. Jesus is not the Western God. Jesus is not the American God. Jesus has all authority over all people. And so this is a message that's meant to be taken to others. And in these verses, the main command that is given is simply to make disciples of all nations. How do you do that? Jesus says you're going to have to go. You don't stay in one place, you go. And as you go, you baptize, you, you lead other people to the point of making a public declaration of, yes, I confess Jesus as Lord. Yes, I believe that God raised him from the dead. I believe those are true and I need that salvation. You baptize and then you teach people, not just intellectual knowledge, but you teach them to follow after Jesus. And this is good news because what it tells us about Easter is that salvation is not the end of the story. So follow what we've done here. Sin is not the end of the story. Our doubts are not the end of the story. Death is not the end of the story. But at the same time, here we are on this, our salvation, and when I say salvation here, I mean our, our moment of trusting in the Lord, our moment of conversion, our moment of being saved, that is not, to, is not supposed to be the end of the story. The American church has a very big challenge in front of us, and it's this. We have a lot of bored Christians, and here's what I mean. I want to be very careful in saying this, especially on Easter. This is not supposed to be a downer, but, but hear me out on this because it may speak to you and what you're, what you're facing right now. One of the challenges we face as a part of the church is we have a lot of people who are bored with Christianity, who are bored with their faith. And what has happened is faith has become primarily something that happened in my past. So yeah, I, I believe everything you said so far, Owen. Jesus took care of my sin. Jesus has answered my questions. Jesus took care of my death. I don't have to be afraid. I have, I, yeah, I believe all, but it's spoken about in the past tense. Yeah, I believe that back in the day. Yeah, that was true back in the day. It's primarily past and it's primarily private. You know, I, I believe that, just me, me and God, we've got that thing going, and, and I trust in him, and, but you know, it's mainly, it's mainly private, it's mainly inside my, my home. Do not miss this. The story of Easter is so big that our salvation, our moment of conversion, is not supposed to be the end of the story. It's the beginning of what God wants to do in your life, that God is calling us on a mission that is greater than anything we could ever imagine. And so if salvation, if that moment of trusting in Jesus is the end of the story, then we have to have churches who are constantly entertaining people, constantly trying to give them what they want. Instead, we are able to say, come, come be a part of this mission, that the mission of making disciples is worth giving your life to. Don't be bored with the story of Jesus. Be a part of it. Be a part of what Jesus is doing in the world. Help other people come to the point of trusting him. Help other people know what it looks like 
to follow him. When people get bored in church, they chase everything else for entertainment and purpose in life. When people see how good the story of Easter is, they say, I want to give everything I have to that. Let me give you a very specific way you can do that, maybe a couple of specific ways you can do that. Ask yourself, is my life connected with the local church? The mission that God has for his people, what God is doing in the world, he's doing through the power of the Holy Spirit at work among his people in the church. Is your life connected to the mission of God through the work of the local church? Maybe you're watching today and you say, I believe what you're saying, Owen, but in reality, your life has been far, far, far removed from things of faith. And God would use this Easter to call you back to his mission, to remind you of how good he is, to remind you of what it means to be on mission with the church, not just to show up and watch, but to say, I wanna be a part of making disciples. I wanna see other people follow Jesus. Maybe this Easter, God is calling you back to his word. Maybe you've grown bored with Christianity because you've forgotten what it is to experience the power, the living power of the word of God. You would say, yeah, I believe the Bible, but it's been a long time since I read it. As we experience the church, as we experience the power of the Bible, God will remind us that our salvation was never meant to be the end of the story. He rescued us from sin He comes to us in our doubts. He gives us hope beyond death, and it does not stop at the moment of saying, yeah, I trust you. He calls us to make disciples. And then finally, look at the end of verse 20. At the end of verse 20, we get this language from Jesus. It's really the second command that shows up in these verses here. And the command is this, behold, That's the command. So one command, make disciples. Second command, behold. Pay attention to this. Look at this. This is good news. Behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Now here's where it gets really fun about the way the Gospel of Matthew is put together. Remember, at the beginning of the Gospel of Matthew, at the time of Jesus' birth, behold, same word, behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, Kids, you remember this from Christmas. Emmanuel means God with us. God will be with his people. What's the promise that Jesus gives at the end of Matthew 28? Behold, I am with you always. God's promise to be with his people is the promise that we see in the creation story in the book of Genesis. It's the promise God makes throughout the Old Testament. It's the promise he makes at the birth of Jesus It's the promise he makes at the end of Jesus' ministry. It's the promise he makes to the church through the power of the Holy Spirit. And don't miss this. It's the same promise we see in the book of Revelation. Now, because of the world we live in right now, the book of Revelation has gotten a lot of play. And, And I just want to remind you that the book of Revelation, which for a lot of people causes fear and confusion, is actually supposed to be a book that brings hope and peace and endurance to our life. The book of Revelation, we're supposed to understand it and make sense of it by looking to the Old Testament, especially the book of Genesis, by looking to the Gospels at the beginning of the New Testament. We don't understand the book of Revelation by watching the video that your uncle shared with you on Facebook. That's not how we understand the the book of Revelation. The book of Revelation holds this thing together from the beginning, God's promise in Genesis, in creation, to be with his people, the promises we see here in the book of Matthew, and then look at this. Look at what happens in Revelation 21. 
Revelation 21 tells us that this world is not the end of the story. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, verse 3, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them. Do you see those words, behold and with them? We're, we're here again. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. And then Revelation 21.4, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Don't miss how good this is. Easter says to us, this is not the end of the story. Your sin, your past is not the end of your story. Your doubts are not the end of your story. Your death will not be the end of your story. Your salvation should not be the end of your story. And this world is not the end of the story. Because of the resurrection of Jesus, we have hope that goes beyond this world. We have hope that God is doing something that goes so far beyond anything we could ever imagine. The best way I know to illustrate this for you, the best way I know to tell you this, is to take a paragraph out of the end of the Chronicles of Narnia. C.S. Lewis, in his final book called The Last Battle in the Chronicles of Narnia, has this paragraph that it all ends with. Hear this in connection with what we're talking about. All their life in this world and all their adventures had only been the cover and the title page. Now at last, they were beginning chapter one of the great story, which no one on earth has read, which goes on forever, in which every chapter is better than the day before. As we wrap up this morning, I want to ask you two questions. I want you to consider two questions that are going to be up here on the screen beside me as we talk through these. Number one, Easter deals with this question, is this life and this world the end of the story? Is the life that you are living, the world that you are experiencing, is this all that there is? Because if it is, like I said earlier, eat, drink, and be merry. Live it up. Get everything you can out of it. But if it is not, if it is not, the story of Easter makes all the difference. If it is not, can I ask you to confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and to believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead because then you will be saved. You will find hope and life and joy that goes beyond anything you can ever imagine. It will transform how you live now. It's not just about eternity. It is about that, but it changes how you live now because now I'm not trying to accumulate. I'm not trying to treat the things of this world as God's. The things of this world, the good things in your life, they become gifts from God that we are able to receive from him and say, no, my life is lived for him. If you have never trusted in Jesus for salvation, if you feel trapped in your past, if you feel trapped by your doubts, if you have fear of death or questions about what happens after death, reach out to somebody. Reach out to me. Use that link that we provided this morning. Send me an email. Or send me an email. I'd love to talk to you. Even right now in your home, just silently pray to the Lord, Lord, I need you. I can never deal with this on my own, but I believe that Jesus has all authority. I believe that he has defeated sin and defeated death, and I trust in him.
that that is where my hope is going to be found. And when that becomes true for you, if that's true for you already, it leads us to this other question up here, which is also number one. We have two number ones this morning for you. The second question, Easter should reconnect us with the church and with God's mission in the world. There's a good chance, there's a very good chance that as you watch this this morning, you would say, Owen, I believe the Easter story. I'm right there with you. But there's also a good chance that your life has not been connected to the church. Your life has not been connected to the mission of God. Your life has not been connected to God's word. And right now this morning, God is calling you back to himself. He is calling you out of a boring Christianity to a life that is meant to be lived fully for him, that he has laid out before us as we go and make disciples of all nations. Emmaus, I have no idea what lies in front of us, but I do know that sin is not the end of the story. I do know that doubt is not the end of the story. I do know that death is not the end of the story. I do know that our salvation is not the end of the story, and I do know that this world is not the end of the story. And so I have no idea what God has for us in the days and weeks and months to come, but I do know this. The best is yet to come. The best is yet to come because our hope is in Jesus who died for us, who rose again, and who reigns eternal. I pray that you'll trust in him. Let's pray together this morning. Father, thank you for Easter. Thank you for the gift of the music. Thank you for the incredible, fun, uh, meaningful videos that we were able to watch this morning. God, remind us in a fresh way that what we see and what we experience and what we deal with right now is not the end of the story. God, I pray that this morning you would bring hope to someone's life who is battling their past or battling doubts or unsure about death. God, bring, bring hope. Just give them the freedom to ask questions and reach out to someone. And God, I pray for those who have become bored with Christianity who stuck it in the past or stuck it in a private place, in their home, behind closed doors, God, I pray that they would be called back to your mission in the world to make disciples. God, that they would be connected to the church, they'd be connected to your word, and they would experience all that you have for us. God, thank you for, again for the gift of Easter. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, Emmaus, for being with us. Reach out to someone. Uh, we'll put my email address out there on the comments. You've got that form that you can connect with. Just reach out to someone. God bless you. Have a great day.